1: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
0: Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, yesterday, before the Oireachtas Media Committee, a number of RT executives and board members gave evidence it lasted for almost six hours. This controversy began two weeks ago today when the Irish Independent broke a story about Brian Tubbett receiving €345,000 secretly, really, more than was stated on the list that's published every year of RTE's top 10 earners. It has escalated now to an extraordinary degree. Yesterday, before the media committee in the Oireachtas, the chair of RTE, who's been in situ since November, Shun Nirahali, told the committee that she regarded this controversy as undoubtedly, and I'm quoting, the darkest episode in RTE's history. RTE's history is 96 years back, maybe 97. So that gives you an idea of the gravity of what we are witnessing unfold. And to talk about yesterday's proceedings and indeed the wider picture, it's a pleasure to welcome Arthur Beasley, who is current affairs editor of the Irish Times. Arthur, thank you for joining us. Shunny Rahali's depiction of this as undoubtedly the darkest episode in RTE's history is rather stark and troubling. Is it an overstatement, or is she right? Um, Good morning, Eamon. I I don't
1: think it's an overstatement at all at this point. Um, This is day 15. There are miles and miles and miles and miles to go before uh, RTE can get back to anything approaching stability where RTE has been in crisis before. It has had crises over uh, errors in programming, misreporting, uh, journalistic mistakes. We have had RTE in crisis over funding questions. What this gets at is the very nature of the institution and what it's supposed to do, and it's multifaceted. And at every point in this affair... That burst into the open. Uh, So, in such a spectacular fashion uh, two weeks ago, it has only got worse. And we we started off with questions around Ryan Tubberdy. That morphed into questions around the response of the board. That, in turn, uh, raised questions around the response of the executive and RTE. That was before uh, anyone appeared in Leinster House before politicians. We've now had three very lengthy uh, appearances of RTE, very senior top people in RTE before a rockters committee. Three such hearings in only eight days. And yet still, it, it, it goes on and on and, and seems to get worse and worse by the day. Uh, today will be another big day. We have a, a, a meeting uh, this morning between the Chairwoman, Sianni Rahali, and the Minister, Catherine Martin, but also the incoming Director-General, that's Kevin Backhurst, and the Interim Deputy uh, Director-General, Adrian Lynch. So this is is far from over yet. So in, in response to your question, yes, this is probably as grave as it comes.
0: Now, it's worth pointing out at the beginning of our conversation, Arthur, that we haven't heard from key players. One of them is the former Director-General D Forbes, who is ill and who is a major player in this, according to the testimony we've heard. Jim Jennings, who is the Director of Content and who, according to the report, first drafted and widely derided by the Executive Board, Jennings, as Director of Content, knew of elements of the the deal that sparked all of this and he also has been unwell. So there are two important factors. We haven't heard yet from Ryan Tuberty and we haven't heard from Noel Kelly, his agent. So there's just one question that remains unclear in many people's mind. Yesterday, Kelly and Tuberty sent a solicitor's letter to the two committees, this is the Public Accounts Committee and the Media Committee, which is the one that sat yesterday. And they said they had important information to give. They offered to come before the committees, but they asked for a private meeting beforehand. Now, isn't this supposed to be, these dog committees, public? And aren't they meant to enlighten us, the people who fund RTE, and indeed to enlighten everyone in the Iraqis, Have they been granted their private meeting? And is it right that they should have a private meeting? This is a public scandal. Um,
1: I don't think they have been granted a private meeting. It seems like an extraordinary request, and I don't think they're likely to be granted such a private meeting. In my experience of observing the proceedings of these committees over many, many years... The only people who go to private meetings of our Octus committees are the TDs and senators who are on those committees and the officials of the House, the officials of Leinster House, who uh, assist in their work. Uh, the other person who attends private sessions of the Public Accounts Committee is the Controller and Auditor General. Uh, but it seems very unlikely that key witnesses would be granted what would be essentially considered an in-camera hearing of an Oroctus committee. It's not really the way it works, Eamon, and I don't think there'd be any political appetite to allow that to happen. I think things have gone far too far at this point for uh, anyone to be indulged, much, much less two of the people who are at the very centre of this thing.
0: At the very centre of it, and who did not inform the public or indeed the Oroctus, and one can safely say... They intended to mislead the public, Andy Rochtis, Here they are in a letter as recently as yesterday, seeking further privilege.
1: Well, I, I, I mean, it, it it just seems to me that it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I just cannot see that that is uh, sustainable in in any way, because were they to be granted that privilege, well, then it would only raise further questions as to what the hell was going on. Yes. And... I mean, it's been two weeks now. We had an, an initial statement uh, from uh, Ryan Tuberty and his agent on day one, afternoon one. Yes. We had a second statement then from Ryan Tuberty on day two. Uh, neither uh, neither of the two tu- Tuberty statements, nor indeed the Noel Kelly statement, um, it, it recognized, it seems to be, the gravity of the issues raised by the imbroglio. And now it's got much, much, much worse to the point where uh, you have the stability of RTE disrupted entirely, an institution in crisis, in the middle of a political firestorm, and really I just don't see that that's going to happen.
0: Now, yesterday again, Shunirali, the current chair, and Moya Doherty, her predecessor, both pointed at the executive board. I just want to explain to our listeners who aren't clear, there is a board that my Doherty was the chair of and subsequently Shun Nirahali. That is a board that, like every company has. There is an executive board then, which are the people who make decisions on a day-to-day basis who would have dealt with Toberty and his agent. And as Shun Nirahali said yesterday, we cannot rely on the information provided. This is profoundly unsatisfactory, as the work of the RTE board obviously depends on the communication of timely and accurate information from the executive. Now, that was Shuni Raheli pointing directly at this executive board, and Maya Doherty, her predecessor in evidence yesterday, said that, quote, a deliberate decision was taken not to inform the board of issues. This is really going to bring RTE down if this rift widens. And it's pretty wide at the moment, isn't it? Well,
1: I mean, th- they are really quite extraordinary remarks from the chairwoman of RTE. She is in the job seven months. Um, these uh, secretive payments to Ryan Tuberty uh, had already happened by the time Shunni Raleigh took over. She's had to deal with the mess. Yes and uh, really, I mean, where you have such a person in such a position making such utterances in public, in an Oireachtas committee, uh, at a table surrounded by members of that very executive, it really does call into question as to how long uh, that body can continue to function against the backdrop of those those very, very, very uh, glaring remarks from the chairwoman.
0: Yes, and her predecessor, my Doherty said, and I quote, the system is broken, the governance is broken, and in some ways, that makes for broken people making broken decisions.
1: Extraordinary remarks. Extraordinary remarks.
0: Extraordinary remarks, remarks yes. from somebody who only recently left RTE, who has vast experience of RTE and, of course, through Riverdance, of the business. But it means and many people are beginning to ask this question now, how long this executive board can remain in place? And I imagine there's a meeting going on this morning between the new Director-General, Kevin Backhurst, between Adrian Lynch, the Interim Deputy Director General, and between the Minister concerned, Minister Catherine Martin, who is the Minister responsible for media. That meeting is taking place as we speak now. So, at that meeting, serious questions, of course, will be made. I mean, most of the publicity, Arthur, has concerned flip flops and balloons and excesses through this barter account or these barter accounts, as we, we now know. It is colourful. It is, you know, shocking in many, in many respects. But there are deeper issues, aren't there?
1: Well, well there are. And, and I mean, it. Uh, I mean, the, the argument has been made since the outset that it's, it's perfectly normal for a media organization to have uh, barter accounts. It's part of the trade. It's a, it's, a, it's a small part of the trade. This is how unsold advertising time is essentially traded on the market, right? Yes. But that was not... What well, this barter account was being they, this barter account was being used for that purpose, but it was being used for a whole pile of other stuff as well. So yeah. we have all of this extraordinary expenditure on corporate hospitality, and then you have these very unorthodox payments to Ryan Tuberty, payments which uh, were never declared publicly and which meant that uh, RTE in statements to the public and statements to the Oireachtas and statements to the government and everyone else uh, was essentially giving uh, misleading information about uh, the star presenter, the highest paid person uh, in Irish broadcasting.
0: Who is getting money secretly through a barter account.
1: That's the point. That's the point. So, I mean, it's it's kind of... The, the, the point is not that uh, a... The point is not that... There was a a barter account. Of, what the hell is there a barter account in RTE for? That's not the point. The point is that it would be used for this purpose. And then you have all of this other hospitality spending where is, you essentially have the political charge made that this was, uh, in reality, a slush fund in addition yes. to the uh, regular barter activities uh, that were going on. And, uh, I mean, we got a, a little taste of uh, that last week, and we got a whole pile more, and now we have the, the suggestion in one newspaper headline today that this is now the, uh, the Sandal scandal. I mean, really, you couldn't make it up, Aimee.
0: Mean. No, you couldn't.
2: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.
0: I wanted to take you to Breda O'Keefe's evidence yesterday. Breda O'Keefe is the former Chief Financial Officer of RTE. She left in 2020. She gave something that was quite new and refreshing for any of these people from RTE, a very clear, succinct explanation of what she did, what she knew, when she did it, and why she did it. It was quite refreshing. She had to ask for extra time, which the chair granted her. And she really was an exception to others who have, if you like, stonewalled or declared they didn't know. She said she did know. And one of the things she said that I thought was significant, this deal with Renault, which is known as the tripartite agreement between Renault, RTE, and Tuberty and his representative, Kelly, she did know about that. And part of that deal was that if Renault, after year one, decided they didn't want to go on with it, RT would pick it up and underwrite it. Rita O'Keefe said that she, as chief financial officer, opposed that proposition. And as she understood it at the time, others opposed it as well. Yet it happened. And the clear implication here is that D. Forbes, the director general, Forced it through.
1: Well, let, let's look at let's look at the sequencing. Uh, Brita O'Keefe left RTE at the end of March. She said that uh, the idea of RTE underwriting that that was not going to wash, and that was not on the table at the time that she left. Her yes. successor is Richard Collins. He's the chief financial officer to this day. He told the committee that he was at a meeting at the end of April where. Uh, it was not suggested that RTE would be underwriting the arrangement if it was to happen that uh, Renault would leave the arrangement. Richard Collins said there was a whole pile of other things going on in RTE at the time. The organization was under great financial pressure. This was the time of the first COVID lockdown. Uh, Advertising uh, had uh, fallen precipitously, and uh, that was what he uh, he was working on we do know that there was a video meeting involving D. Forbes, an RTE lawyer, yeah. and Noel Kelly, Ryan Tuberty's agent, and someone else from the agency in the month of May. And this apparently is where the verbal agreement by which RTE would underwrite, guarantee these additional payments to Ryan Tuberty, that's where the verbal agreement was given.
0: Was this the, the Zoom call, Arthur?
1: Yes, video meeting as described in the statement of the yes. RTE
0: executive. And also guaranteed, we understand, by Forbes was that, and this was in 2020, when COVID had hit, that a guarantee was given to Ryan Tubber Did that his contract would be honoured. He would have to take no pay cut between 2020 and 2025. This was when... There were empty studios and people couldn't gather and all kinds of possibilities were there. That also is an extraordinary commitment to give. And I would have thought, I mean, you you worked previously, you know, in the finance area, economics area, Arthur, but isn't the norm that an executive board makes these decisions and that a director general at least collaborates but doesn't do solo runs and really usually takes the advice of the executive board and rubber stamps things.
1: Yeah, well, the the the, the letter to Ryan Tuberty came, came a little bit after the came came later in the summer, as, as I recall it, um, when he, he was told that he wouldn't uh, be asked or be required or, uh, to take a pay cut, uh, save where there was a requirement if their legislation has been passed. But again, I mean, it's it's the first year of COVID. Uh, there 's no vaccines, and no one really knows where where things are going and You have a public commitment from RTE at the time that top presenters would have their uh, would be reducing their pay that was the backdrop that was the the premise to yes. the talks on the new contract and by the public statements issued. It looked as if Ryan Tuberty did take a pay cut, but whatever reduction there was turned out to be uh, much less than what was going on in reality. And the the other dimension here is that because the arrangement with Renault, which survived only one year, because that arrangement was to be cost neutral to Renault, it essentially meant that RTE was on the hook for the €75,000 that Ryan Tuberty received from Renault in year one. In other words, the value of Renault's uh, sponsorship fee to RTE in that period, a very grave period economically, a period when Ren- when revenues were under great stress because of, uh, because of COVID, the value of Renault's sponsorship was reduced by that very amount. So cost neutral to Renault, but costly to
0: RTE. And the invoice was... and it was for consultancy at a rate of €1,200 an hour and paid through a barter account. I think these
1: were the invoices uh, in subsequent years uh, when Renault walked away from the deal and RTE found itself having to come good on the guarantee.
0: That's That's deception, isn't it? And one of the inquisitors yesterday, one of the TDs, Made the accusation that this was false accounting.
1: Well, certainly in the words of Shirley Rally, the whole thing was designed to deceive, right? And yes. I mean it. I mean, look at the the, the reality is, uh, as stated before, R- Ryan Tuberty is on the RTE books for many, many years. The man receives his fee. There's a regular procedure for the payment of fees. The fees go into your bank account, whatever. That's how it works. Um, why had this? Uh, payment procedure, why had it to be done in this fashion where RTE ends up transferring the money into the barter account, which is in the UK, which, uh, which means that RTE has to pay a great deal more than the €75,000 yeah. it has to pay in the first instance. Why is the invoice coming in for consultancy fees why is the chief financial officer told, uh, as he has stated to the Public Accounts Committee, I think, or certainly one of the committees, that uh, that RTE would be paying the agent of Ryan Tuberty for uh, advice in relation to dealings with sponsors yes. uh, against the backdrop of COVID? Why was that explanation given to the chief financial officer? And uh, it was only after the money went uh, via the barter account, that it ends up with Ryan Tuberty. But this was someone with whom RTE. This is a, an employee, a man receiving fees from RTE for a great many years. I mean, surely, uh, in the in the in the regular sense, uh, the money would just go from RTE straight to Ryan Tuberty.
0: Now there are, have been calls for the executive board to be disbanded as of tomorrow, as it were. I want to turn, though, Arthur, to another question and get your your judgment on it at the end, a fellow from Wexford at Fianna Fáil TD, he apologised to the witnesses and said, for the behaviour and the aggression of some of his colleagues. And I must say, I was astounded, and in a good way, by the contribution of TDs I hadn't heard of, Niall Collins finnegale Gael TD, James O'Connor at Fianna Fáil TD, Brendan Griffin a Gael TD, and outstandingly, Imelda Munster as Sinn Féin, TD, who I thought they were excellent when they were faced with what they felt was less than fulsome answers, except in the case of Brito O'Keefe, who was excellent. I think the way RT have managed this so far, with the exception of Shun Nirali, perhaps, the absence of the head of content, the director of content, Jim Jennings, through illness is unavoidable. The absence of D Forbes through illness is also unavoidable. The people who turned up have, unlike Breed O'Keefe, they haven't been prepared and they haven't been, should we say, rigorous in their evidence.
1: Well, it, it, it's all been pretty chaotic. That's the that's the only way you could describe it. It seems to me that uh, it, it seems to me that, that maybe people didn't think at the outset of this thing that this was going to explode in such a spectacular fashion. But the counter-argument to that is that surely you must have figured that that was going to be inevitable. You have one of the best-known people in the country, Ryan Tuberty. You have uh, an institution such as RTE. You have public money. You have the world of showbiz. You have commercial money. You have government. You have opposition. You have politics. And really, against that backdrop, it was unless there was a full accounting of everything that had happened in respect of Ryan Tuberty and the Tuberty payments, well, then the thing was always going to escalate. And we're still waiting for answers in terms of what was going on uh, on the Tuberty side of things. We're still awaiting the second Grant Thornton report, uh, which we were told last week was going to take four weeks. And that is, again, very, very serious, because the public statements about... Ryan Tuberty's pay in the years 17, 18, and 19 suggested that he was paid a total of, over those three years, a total of 120,000 euro uh, less than he actually received. So we still await the answers on that. But I mean, as I said at the start, it's now day 15. And these are the lack of clarity on these questions is. What has only raised questions about all the other issues, which has led to this snowballing effect?
0: Just final question, possibly two, and you're a very good, answer. The toy show, the musical. Rory Coveney was the executive in charge of this. It was a disaster, cost 2.2 million. They lost. They hired a large theatre that they didn't really fill at all. They were given tickets away for nothing. It was an unmitigated disaster. And, and Tuberty refused to have anything to, to do with it. And, of course, Toby was very good on the toy show, on the Late, Late Show. That is an unmitigated disaster. It also, on radio this morning, I heard a pantomime producer. They wanted to put this out at Christmas. And this is already abusing a monopoly, where all of these people rehearse in church halls, it's very hard to get your panto up and running, and all of a sudden this monster production of the Toy Show, the musical, appears on the scene. There is a question, and it's a general question, just not in the terms of the Toy Show, the musical, but in advertising and in other ways. RTE enjoy massive advantages, don't they, for advertising? They have a monopoly, and it appears it is being subject to abuse.
1: Well, I mean, the, the 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 advantages are clear, and the advantage is that the the organisation had uh, two point seven million to put into uh, an entirely new production. I mean, these are vast, vast sums of money. Yes, and it, it uh, I mean, that's fine if, if, if it. Well, it's not fine, right? But if the thing had have worked, and you had tens of thousands of people queuing up. Uh, to bring their kids to something that became a, a showbiz sensation. Uh, well, then maybe people will go. Oh, well, well done! Didn't they? Um, didn't they do very well there? But even if they did, if, even if it had been a success, well, this would have been a success that would have been at the cost of uh, many other people who yes. are in in that uh, side of show business, and pretty much no one else in the country, it seems to me, has two point seven million to put into uh, explorations on how a once-a-year television program can be turned into a musical phenomenon that would be worthy of um, of New York or wherever. Uniquely Irish, yes, but, I mean, gosh, this this all went terribly
0: wrong. A final question about where this might go next and where it needs to go next. Uh,
1: there's no way out of this until we, we, we find out everything that went on. Uh, it seems likely that we'll have hearings next week involving uh, Ryan Tuberty uh, and his agent, Noel Kelly. Uh, meanwhile, we have the uh, three sets of reviews underway for Minister Catherine Martin. We have the examination of RTE governance. We then have the examination of presenter fees, the role of agents. And then we have the forensic accountant uh, who uh, is soon to be appointed by the minister. We are awaiting the second Grant Thornton report to the RTE board. And we were told yesterday that Grant Thornton have been commissioned to write yet another report, this time on Toy Show, the musical. So this is really going to run and run. And then we have to see what comes out of the meeting this morning between Catherine Martin and Shunni Rahali, Kevin Backhurst and Adrian Lynch. Uh, The force of the chairwoman's remarks yesterday are such, it seems to me, that there's going to have to be a response at the level of RTE because you seem to have at this point a complete breakdown between the executive, the people running the organisation day by day, and the board... It's there to oversee it and make sure that everything is done properly.
0: And, of course, very many angry staff as well who are outstanding at their work and have reported, in fairness to them, very rigorously and thoroughly on this scandal. Arthur Beasley, current affairs editor of the Irish Times, very grateful to you for joining us today. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks to Arthur. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.